Hello everyone, so we are here in February 2022 and it's crazy that, you know, time goes by so fast and now I feel like uh, it was 2020 just yesterday, right? And uh, here I have two wonderful medical students who are um, here to explain, to present a very interesting topic. You know what? Uh, uh, one of my sons was listening to our podcast the other day and he said, Papi, you always use the word interesting. <laughs> so I'm going to have to come up with different um, adjectives. So it's, it's going to be a fascinating, fantastic, wonderful topic. So it's I like gonna, it. They're going to be talking about a topic dermatitis. And we have here uh, Lam Chow and Brandy Truong. Can you guys introduce yourself, Brandy? Yeah. Hi, everyone. So I'm Brandy Trong, and I'm currently a fourth-year medical student with Ross University. I'm currently doing my sub-internship here, um, the family medicine group, so I'm excited to be on this podcast, and it's been a really great time, but um, how are you doing, Lom? What are you up to? I'm doing pretty well, Brandy. So just to introduce myself, my name is Lam Chow. I'm an MS3 student also at Ross University School of Medicine. I'm on my surgery rotation right now, so we're winding down a little bit, but I've done the family med rotation and really excited to be back on the podcast. Very nice, guys. So we're going to be talking about atopic dermatitis known as eczema. So um, you guys prepared very well, so I'm very excited to to hear what you guys have to say. I might interrupt you a little bit just to add a little bit of comments, but you can, guys, you can go ahead and start talking about eczema. This is Rio Bravo Q Week, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program from Bakersfield, California. Our program is affiliated with UCLA and it's sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. All right, so a common skin disorder among children is called atopic dermatitis, or commonly known as eczema. At least one in 10 children have eczema. However, it affects many adults as well. So there are about 31.6 million people, which is about 10% in the U.S. who have some form of eczema. Some other stats worth noting is that children born outside of the United States have a 50% lower risk of developing eczema that increases after living in the U.S. for 10 years. So don't move to the U.S. if you don't want to have eczema. Eighty <laughs> percent <laughs> um, of individuals with eczema experience the onset of younger than six years old, and at least eighty percent will outgrow it by adolescence or adulthood. Which I actually found interesting because I like this topic because a lot of my friends have babies, and a lot of them are experiencing eczema, and they get it like it's some of it's hereditary, and they notice that their dad or something had it, but then he outgrew it by adolescence so it's yeah. a very common thing yeah and the thing is we, sometimes we take it for granted that it's just dry skin you know we tell yeah. the patients it's just dry skin but it's more than that right it it's, is it can, can be very be, irritating yeah. it can be very severe and disrupting to people's lives so mm -hmm. i'm glad that you guys are talking about that today yeah. So what causes eczema is eczema is caused by a disruption of the skin barrier. The outer layer of the skin has a protein called filaggrin, and that basically helps form a barrier between the skin and the environment. If a person has less of this protein, it's harder for the skin to retain water and lock in that moisture. 
So genetics and environment play a role, and it often runs in families, kind of like what we just talked about. Um, and it can be all over the body. Oh, sorry. Um, people with eczema often have other allergic conditions, such as asthma, seasonal allergies, and our food allergies as well. You know what? I, I have asthma myself. I've never had eczema. Thank goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Any food allergies? No food allergies. Okay. Oh, yeah. Actually, I have. <laughs> it's shrimp. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Oh, At least no. I love shrimp. <laughs> So, so let's like talk, recent, yeah, let's talk about how the eczema presents on people. How what's how is the rash like? Yeah, so like we said before, eczema rashes can present differently for each person. It can be all over the body or just a few spots, and people go through exasperations or flare-ups where the rash worsens and then gets better. We call this remission. In babies, eczema tends to start on the scalp and face. They'll sometimes see red, dry rashes on the cheeks, forehead, and around the mouth. For young children, rashes can occur in the elbow creases, on the back of the knees, the neck, and around the eyes. Sometimes the rash can even crust and ooze. So there's different severities in eczema, which kind of helps guide treatment. In terms of mild, this includes mild areas of dry skin, infrequent itching, with or without small areas of redness, little impact on everyday activities, sleep, and psychosocial well-being. In a moderate presentation, there's moderate areas of dry skin, more frequent itching, redness, moderate impact on everyday activities and psychosocial well-being, and it frequently disturbs your sleep. With severe, there's widespread areas of dry skin, continuous itching, redness, bleeding, oozing, cracking, and severe limitation of everyday activities and psychosocial functioning and loss of sleep each night. It seems like uh, sleep is a good indicator of the severity of eczema, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it does. So the least, uh, the, I mean, the, if the patient is sleeping less time, that probably means that they have a severe case of eczema. <laughs> so that could be a good less. question to ask right off the bat in terms yeah. of how their eczema is doing. I agree. Yeah. Mm. So talking about exasperating factors, factors that can exasperate eczema include excessive bathing without moisturizing, low humidity environments, stress, overheating, and exposures to solvents and detergents. I think you have uh, given the clue to why my son has eczema. He takes very long baths. So too Devin, baths. yeah, Devin, if you're hearing this, you know <laughs> you're taking too long baths. Yeah, gotta moisturize. Moisturize, which we're gonna talk about in a bit too. Yeah, for sure. Um, explaining in detail the management of eczema will take a really long time, but we will give you some of the basic principles of treatment. So patient follow-up is key to succeed in the management of eczema. You, will, you may need to see these patients every two to four weeks in some cases and escalate treatment depending on severity. So as you can imagine, eczema can be very frustrating for patients and patients. The management requires a multi-approach, including eliminating factors that exasperate eczema, restoring the skin barrier, treating infection, hydrating the skin, patient education, and oral medications. In terms of patient education, a study was done where it showed a six-week education program that had two-hour weekly sessions that talked about medical, nutritional, and psychological issues associated with eczema. It resulted in an overall decrease in severity after only one year. 
So moisturizing cannot be overstressed. It's the mainstay of the treatment. Use as much cream as you can. The best moisturizers have a high content of oil and they're recommended over lotions because lotions contain a percentage of alcohol. So use emollients or thick creams liberally. And we know that alcohol dries your skin, right? We're using a lot of... Hand sanitizer. Exactly. So, mm. yeah, if you have uh, alcohol in your lotion, that's going to make your skin even more dry or drier. So, emol emollients should be applied two times daily and after bathing or hand washing. So, some common moisturizers that can be found at common drugstores include Lubriderm, Aveeno, Aquaphor, Cetaphil, and CeraVe. And our, and our old friend Vaseline. Sometimes we forget about it, but it's cheap. Oh, yeah, and, and it, it works, works very well. well. It's true. Yeah. So, and we have to uh, remind the patients like right after shower is the best time to use the moisturizer because <laughs> that's when you have your skin is wet and you can keep the moisture inside your skin if you, you apply the moisturizer right after your shower. Mm, that's good advice. I'm going to do that tonight. <laughs> so, keeping the skin hydrated and moisturized will also help with the itching. Itching can be very disrupting in the patient's lives and it can worsen symptoms if left untreated. Itching can result in lichenification, infection, bleeding, crusting, oozing, and also cause permanent scars. So, topical steroids is another basic treatment for mild to moderate cases of eczema. Steroids can be used intermittently to prevent and treat exacerbations. For prevention, for example, topical steroids can be used two days a week, such as weekends, for 16 weeks. To treat exacerbations, you would prescribe twice a day topical steroid for two to four weeks. However, when using topical steroids, there should be caution using a high potency on areas like the face and skin folds, since those are areas at risk for atrophy. However, a brief use of higher potency can provide a quick response, then patients can be switched over to a lower potency. So in the U.S., topical steroids are classified into seven groups, going from group one, which is super high potency, to group seven, which is least potent. As a primary care provider, you can memorize at least one formula from each category and then prescribe it as needed. So an example of low potency topical steroid would be hydrocortisone 2.5%, which is part of that least potent group 7, and trimenicolone. Sorry, I'm Cinalon. Yeah. There we go. We were I, <laughs> I always forget that one. <laughs> or Canalog, which is low, low potency group 6. So a high potency topical corticosteroid would be betamethasone dipropionate 0.05% cream, also known as diproline. Or another one is Mometazone Ferrorate 0.1% cream, also known as Elecon. These two creams are in the group 2, otherwise known as high potency. So there are other treatments we did not talk about, including calcineurin inhibitors, chrysoboral, a phosphodiesterase 4 inhibitor known as Eucrisa, antibiotics, and oral medications. We invite you to keep learning about eczema. Yeah, and uh, uh, so some of the oral medications that we didn't talk about, but it's worth mentioning, you know, the antihistamines or H2 inhibitors, and, oh. and mostly, you know, the ones that are not, not H, H2, sorry, H1 inhibitors, mm. and mostly the, you know, the old generation type like Benadryl, diphenhydramine, they usually work better because they make you sleepy, so at night you don't have... Uh, you are falling asleep and you are not itching yourself so much. So those medications can be used, in, in, especially during exacerbations of eczema. Oh, that's good to know. So 
I just want to say, as we conclude this episode, we'd like to recommend you to take a look at the National Eczema Association website. It contains a lot of helpful material for patients. So invite your patients to consult that website as well. Excellent, guys. Thank you so much for presenting that topic, and I hope you guys liked it. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye. Now we conclude our episode number 82, Eczema Basics. Our medical students have become excellent teachers. Today they explained very well the basics of eczema. Remind your patient to moisturize, moisturize, and moisturize their skin with emollients. Topical steroids can be used for treatment and prevention of exacerbations. Other treatments such as antibiotics, oral medications, and even biologicals are not always needed, but they may be used depending on severity. Even without trying, every night you go to bed being a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week. If you have any feedback about this podcast, please contact us by email at RioBravoQWeek at ClinicaSiervista.org or visit our website at RioBravoFMRP.org backslash QWeek. This podcast was created with educational purposes only. Please visit your primary care physician for additional medical advice. This week, we thank Hector Ariaza, Brandy Trong, and Lam Chow. Audio by Saraj Amrithya. See you next week.